Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. We are jam-packed and fully loaded today, as we have been all week long. Of course, it's Terrence Edwards, our normal Thursday guest, coming up in a moment. Thrilled to have him as part of the show. But also, before we're done, about 50 minutes from right now, I guess is about the best way to say this, about 50 minutes from right now, Brad Nessler, who will call this game for CBS on Saturday, he'll join us. He'll preview the Dogs and the Crimson Tide, but he'll also talk about the feeling of the final game ever for the SEC on CBS, truly the end of an era on Saturday. We'll talk to Brad Nessler about that coming up at 10.50 this morning. Here, uh, prior to that, I want to um, sort of talk about this game this way. I think that the player in Saturday's game that to me is probably the most interesting and the most compelling is on the Alabama side, and that's Dallas Turner. Now, I believe this is true for two reasons. One of these very kind of tangible on the field, the impact he can make for the Crimson Tide, and one of these is a little bit more intangible. I believe in some respects, Turner sort of represents the the symbolic meaning of this game. I think most of us have a sense this week that there's something going on here in Saturday that sort of transcends a regular football game. For the last two years, we've seen Georgia play championship type games postseason type games with a chance to advance towards a national championship george has been able to win the last two national championships of course as you know but not all those games have the same meaning no one can deny that this year's sec championship has a lot more meaning i think we would say than last year's sec championship uh, did against lsu and this goes beyond just the fact that this year's version of the crimson tide is probably better than last year's version of lsu in a moment the presence of dallas turner in this game i think helps us explain that we'll get to that but first let me kind of start with the value of Turner as a player really effective really potentially dominant pass rusher I believe you can make the case that he's the best I believe I'm right when I say this the best individual player on Alabama's roster and going back to much earlier this week Kirby Smart talked about the specific challenge of how you deal with a guy like Turner and the impact that he can make on Saturday's game this is what Kirby said about that earlier this week in bad down in distance situations to try to stay ahead of the sticks you know you gotta stay on schedule and stay ahead of the sticks because um he's got speed talent uh, ability um, he's improved so much uh, you know uh, throughout his career we've seen him grow and, and study under will and uh he's gotten bigger to me and is, is much more impactful on the run game every down player and uh still elite in the pass rush side of things um but you, you, can't, you can't really mimic that i mean you do the best you can to simulate it and you work technique and you put game plan together but um at the end of the day you know you, you got to have skilled people who can block those kind of guys they're hard to block it is, I think, just undeniably true that Turner is a player who is good enough to potentially take this game over on Saturday. And we haven't really seen Georgia bothered by pass rush too much here this year. I would say that Missouri had some success. They kind of got into Carson Beck's face a little bit. And Beck was probably not his best when facing that pressure the way that you would assume almost any quarterback would be in that situation. This Georgia offensive line has been really, really good this season in terms of protecting Carson Beck, giving him time to throw. We've talked a lot this year, statistically speaking, about just how 
little Beck has even been pressured and how good he has been when he has been pressured for the most part just because of how good this Georgia offensive line is but as you know it is a major step up in weight class when you talk about trying to block a guy like Dallas Turner on Saturday compared to other guys that Georgia has been uh, able to block thus far this season interesting to hear Kirby Smart say therefore you got to have skilled offensive linemen who are ready to block him and ready to uh, step up and make sure that that Turner doesn't wreak too much havoc there in the backfield that's where the presence of a guy like Amarius Mims probably really matters we know that Georgia play without Mims for quite some time uh that his return I think is one of the biggest perhaps undercovered storylines for this team this is a first round pick level offensive lineman I believe is the best overall offensive line prospect in the entire SEC and so when you think about the battle that's going to go on on Saturday, preventing Turner from having the kind of game that he's capable of having, the presence of a guy like Marius Mims is, is incredibly important here. And for those of you that care about NFL draft stuff and things like that, it's been interesting the last couple of days to see, like, say, Jordan Reed from ESPN or Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network. A lot of people kind of independently seem to be noticing some of the stuff that Mims is doing right now, playing at a dominant high level. That's going to be really important for Georgia on Saturday. Mims getting it done against a guy like Dallas Turner if you're interested in the game within the game this is one of the most I think intriguing games within the game to take place how that battle when they are matched up one-on-one how it goes with Mims trying to keep Turner away from back and out of the backfield we'll be watching that closely obviously Dallas Turner is one of the very best players in all of college football but as I said a moment ago the thing about Turner for me goes beyond just his tangible value to Alabama But it's also, I think, a a representation of the symbolic meaning of this game. I'm going to dig back here and show you in a moment an old quote from Dallas Turner. And I want you to understand something. Sometimes around here, we do sort of revel in the idea of being, you know, somewhat trollish with a wink and a nod. You know, we like saving receipts and we like, you know, so-called like dunking on people, whatever else. Like sometimes we're not, you know, above doing that because we'd like to have fun here. This is mostly an entertaining entertainment product we don't take ourselves too seriously thankfully but in this particular case what i'm about to lay out for you is not an example of oh let's go back to when dallas turner was 18 and let's make fun of him for what he said that's not what i want to do here because i have incredible respect for dallas turner as a player i think he's an outstanding player i always assumed he'd be great and he pretty much was from the moment that he stepped on the field at a, uh, with an alabama uh uniform on and i am not going to necessarily fault him for what he said at the time that he said it because the fact of the matter is i think given the information available to him in a very odd set of circumstances which we'll talk about in a moment dallas turner probably made the best possible decision he could never easy for 18 year old men to uh, kind of think about this kind of stuff but the words you're about to read from dallas Turner I think absolutely fully cement what Saturday means and why the game just feels a little bit different it feels a little bit more substantial perhaps even a lot more substantial than the typical game would in an SEC championship or even a college football playoff so if you want to go back to like the summer of 2020 do y'all remember how weird the world was back then it was right in the heart of COVID which is just such a gross thing to even look back on and some of the terrible mistakes that were made during all that period but you know that's not what we're here to talk about just um it was a horrible horrible time where players weren't allowed to take official visits the entire world was kind of frozen in place and the college football world had almost you know ground down to a halt grinded to a halt and so you had recruits at the time trying to make their decision about where they wanted to go 
and they were having to do so without the benefit of taking official visits and being face-to-face with coaches and all that kind of stuff so recruits were trying to use whatever they could to sort of figure out how do I make the best decision about where to go how do I how do I choose what's right for me knowing that I can't do the same process that recruits have been doing for many many years prior to this and so people were just making their best possible guess and I remember at that time Dallas Turner was a player that I really wanted to come to Georgia I would say that almost anybody who follows this stuff very closely Dallas Turner would have been a player that almost anyone would have wanted to come to Georgia because of how good of a prospect that he was and I remember how disappointed I was one day this is like May of 2020 I believe disappointed I was one day when Jeff Sintel who's obviously a good reporter and he had good reporting uh from Dallas Turner on this even though the news at the time wasn't very good Dallas Turner as a recruit explaining why he was probably going to Alabama and not coming to Georgia something he ended up making good on his uh intentions on he did obviously end up at Alabama and has become a great player and the pages of Dog Nation way back in May of 2020 Dallas Turner explained why he was likely to do that. Let me read this quote to you. I'm going to put it on the screen here, give you a chance to read this. Alabama, Turner said, is slightly ahead of Georgia in his recruitment. They are very similar. But listen to this now. The numbers don't lie in the amount of championships and in the amount of draftees. That is Dallas Turner, May 1st, 2020 looking at Georgia and Alabama saying I can't take visits I can't really get in there and kick the tires and look under the hood I've just got to make a decision here based on kind of face value information Bama's got more draft picks Bama's got all the national championships Georgia's sort of up and coming with Kirby Smart they're selling me on a promise but Alabama's selling me on a finished product and listen If I was Dallas Turner in that situation or if my son was Dallas Turner in that situation at that particular time, maybe I would have made the exact same decision. Who among us can say that we necessarily wouldn't have made that exact same decision at a time in which information was limited? The one thing Dallas Turner said I know is I know Bama's got all the draft picks and Bama's got all the championships. And so therefore, that's where I'm going to go. That's what he said. That's what happened. Now, What Dallas Turner did not know, and perhaps none of us fully knew, is how much all of that would change almost immediately after Turner made that decision. Georgia has won the last two national championships. Georgia, after the 2021 season, set a record for overall draft picks, a handful of first-round picks again you know, last year there as well, that suddenly this idea that if greatness is determined by how many draft picks you produce and how many championships you produce, then all of that belongs to Georgia right now. But at the time, Dallas Turner said it's a clear imbalance in favor of the Crimson Tide over UGA. And y'all, that means something to me, right? And it's not dunking on Dallas Turner of, oh, look how wrong you were. That's not what I'm saying here because I've got too much respect for, for Turner to drag him over something he said when he was 18. When he said that, he wasn't wrong. But that's how much things have changed over the course of the last couple of years. And that's why Saturday means so much. At one point in time, Alabama was the gold standard. In the last couple of years, literally, Georgia has become the gold standard because that gold trophy now rests for the last two years right there at UGA. I certainly understand this. I believe you understand this. And I believe the Georgia players themselves understand that too. They have been in a long, multi-year wrestling match. And you don't beat a program like Alabama right away. At times in that tussle, they're going to have the upper hand. And in 2017 in the national championship and in 2018 in the SEC championship and 2021 in the SEC championship, it certainly seemed like Alabama had the upper hand. 
But somewhere around that trip to Indianapolis, things changed. Finally, Georgia got over the hump. Finally, Georgia beat Alabama. And Georgia has been on top in college football ever since then. And that meant something to the players who played in that game and the players who had come before them that sort of set the stage for this to take place. In fact, one of the most meaningful things that's happened thus far this week was something that Cedric Von Prahn Granger said and talking about the extra meaning of Georgia and Alabama and the long, rich backstory that exists between these two teams. SVP talking about being in that locker room in Indianapolis in 2021, Nick Chubb being in there, the exchange that two very, very wise leaders had with each other about the state of the Georgia program at that particular moment. If this doesn't give you chills, I don't know what to tell you. Really, really good stuff and additional context about how much things have changed in college football and how much people want to see that change continue against the Crimson Tide on Saturday. This is Cedric Von Prahn Granger earlier this week. I can still remember um, in the locker room after Nick Chubb telling me, man, because I, I remember I went up to him and I was just thanking him for everything he did for the university. And um, I just remember him telling me, like, nah, man, thank you. I can finally sleep again. Um, and that was one of the coolest moments I've had at Georgia, just having a legend like that, you know, come to me and, you know, just be thankful for something that we had accomplished as a team. So that was a great moment. I mean, doesn't that just hit you in a, just a really impactful way? Don't you feel that in your soul when someone like Cedric Von Prahn Granger who loves Georgia. He's from Louisiana, by the way, but he's fallen in love with UGA while he's been here, sees Nick Chubb after a national championship, SVP wise enough to say, hey, you're one of the guys that paved the way. You're one of the guys that laid this foundation, getting right there to the line in 2017. Thank you for what you did. Nick Chubb turning around and saying, you know, soft-spoken, typically publicly, but obviously very earnest and heart heartfelt in this moment saying no thank you i can sleep now the program that i've dedicated my life to is now on top in college football chubb played a big role in paving the way for that and svp then played a big role in taking it to that next step and all of that is on the line again on saturday sometimes in college football perhaps it is just a game and sometimes it's something to be forgotten in the months and years that follow but not this one This is a whole lot more than that. This is about the reputation once established by Alabama that seemingly has now been taken by Georgia. And Georgia does not want to give it back no matter how hard Alabama tries to pull it away from them. Those are the stakes on Saturday. And that's when the feeling in the air around this one is so different. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Meriwether and Tharp. We are happy to have you with us, no matter how you get to us, live on video. We start 945, first and 15, dognation.com, Dog Nation app. We're 10 a.m. after that across all video platforms. We're on the radio at noon, Athens Sports Radio 960, the ref. We are available as a podcast as well, wherever you find them. So just really appreciate you checking in, uh, finding one of those uh, platforms that works for you. And by the way, this is the time of year that I love, and we'll do some of this for our golden shoes a little bit later on. It's the uh, Spotify time of year when they're kind of showing you what you listen to the most this year. So many of you are kind enough to share that with me when Dog Nation Daily pops up on your list. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate that. I'm going to try to show some of those a little bit later on, not in a self-serving way, because hopefully I don't want to do that, but just in a, just in a, a real sense of gratitude for the fact that people choose to spend some time with us that really means a lot to me and i really truly appreciate it i also appreciate our friends at meriwether and tharp for making the show possible today there as well and i love what meriwether and tharp does for people who kind of find themselves in a tough situation meriwether and tharp is your source for georgia divorce 
and that word Georgia perhaps means more with that than it's ever meant before because for a long time Meriwether and Thrupp was kind of dominating the Atlanta scene on on this particular uh, market but they have now kind of expanded their reach opening up brand new offices uh, coming soon in the Athens area Savannah all across the state going to be great chances for you to lean on Meriwether and Tharp if you find yourself in a time of need you can uh, use the uh, website there georgiadivorceteam.com on that it's georgiadivorceteam.com uh, you've heard me talk about this before you know the divorce process can be scary and confusing and so when it comes to some of the most challenging aspects of that Meriwether and Tharp wants to make that process easier for you to understand and perhaps a little easier to navigate there as well in fact there's a certain sense of cost certainty that people want to have when it comes to the divorce process. This is where Meriwether and Tharp, I think, really kind of shines here. They've been very creative in trying to produce a lot of options for you that sort of fits whatever your specific set of circumstances are. Perhaps you're the kind of person that's sort of comfortable with like a DIY type thing. Well, you can have that with Meriwether and Tharp for as low as $99. Or if you want some assistance, you can have the M&T assisted that starts at $1,749. The most popular, I believe, choice right now is what they call their M&T, uh, uh, their model M&T, which I think is a really cool thing. It kind of combines a lot of different levels of service, but it also gives you the choice of either paying as a flat fee. You can also do, which I think is really kind of creative here, a subscription service from month to month throughout the process here. Uh, once again, a way of just sort of getting some sort of cost certainty about how all this is going to work out. Or if you want traditional coverage because you feel like you have a very specific outcome that you're seeking, and they can help you with that there as well so please find them online it's georgiadivorceteam.com that's georgiadivorceteam.com once again Meriwether and Tharp is your source for Georgia divorce so as I told you earlier it's Brad Nessler before we're done big preview for the game with a guy who's going to call it for CBS on Saturday we will get to that Terrence Edwards here coming up in just a couple of minutes too prior to that I want to go around the doghouse it's presented today by our friends at ServePro and I want to kind of move here from one really, I think, powerful comment to another. We just heard Cedric Von Braun Granger in the locker room or describing the scene in the locker room after Indianapolis at the conclusion of the 2021 season. The poignant moment that he felt with Nick Chubb, and I tell you, that just makes me want to run through a wall. Two guys that we love and believe in, and they're sharing that moment. SVP, good enough to describe to us what it was. I mean, I just don't know how you don't just absolutely, you know, uh, just come unglued when you hear something like that and we also heard some similar stuff this week from Kendall Milton another comment that's kind of getting a lot of attention right now is this current Georgia team's belief in the level of preparation the level of focus the level of intensity they want to bring to the table for this game because obviously they are so fully aware of all of the meaning in which we described a little bit earlier in fact Milton gave us I think for those of us who really have high you know uh, hopes for this game he gave us some uh some some true hopeful belief when he talked earlier this week about the intensity of Georgia's very famous bloody Tuesday practice and perhaps why that practice was as intense as it was let me let you hear Milton on that topic on the subject of kind of going out there and giving their best at practice before a game in which they know they're going to be challenged by the Crimson Tide this is what Kendall Milton said about that earlier this week I feel like it'll be super big just for the fact that you know Coach Mar pointed it out that you know we've never been able to beat Alabama in in Atlanta so I feel like being able to and that, that doesn't just go for the the players that goes for the coaches as well so I feel like we have a huge opportunity here and just judging off of today's practice, I feel like we've taken that opportunity to heart. You know, this was probably one of the most physical, chippiest practices that we've had all year, but it just shows that, you know, how hungry we are, how how much we want it. 
is physical and chippy a pretty good mindset for Georgia to have the week before playing Alabama I would certainly say that it certainly feels that way to me you want to be at your most intense whatever your nastiest version of yourself is it sort of feels like that's what the SEC championship game against Alabama kind of calls for and it's interesting to hear you know Kendall Milton saying what he says there praising the physicality that Georgia showed at practice earlier this week I also think for Georgia on Saturday Milton potentially plays a very pivotal role in fact if we're talking about when the game is over Georgia's best players Georgia's most important players if one of those is Kendall Milton then I think most of us feel pretty good about the pace that Georgia's able to establish in this game and the level of control that potentially Georgia could establish there as well and I would also say kind of beyond that that I think one of the difficult things about predicting the outcome of this game and college football is always difficult to predict. I would say this game against uh, Georgia and Alabama, perhaps extra difficult to predict. One of the things that I think makes it challenging is from really both of these teams lately, you have seen a kind of emerging trend, sort of second half of the season, final third of the season, final quarter of the season. And I think you're left to wonder, well, does that really hold as the real version of Alabama or as the real version of Georgia? Is that the thing that we're going to see? You know, for instance, Alabama this past weekend against Auburn only scored 27 points. But prior to that, they'd been red hot offensively. 66 against Chattanooga. You don't care about that. But 49 at Kentucky, that's a pretty good point total. 42 against LSU, not a great defense, but once again, a a pretty good point total. Uh, Two weeks prior to that in the game before that against Tennessee, also 34 points. So you look at kind of like third Saturday in October on to present day, This is an Alabama offense that's been playing much better, I would say, certainly on a scoring basis than it had earlier this year. Some of that sort of feels like, well, Jalen Milrose kind of coming into his own. But is that late trend the real Alabama or is it the season long story that's perhaps the better context for how they play offensively on Saturday? We can make our best guess on that, but the truth is we're not really quite so sure. I think there's also a similar situation going on with UGA, but a slightly different, you know, statistical number in mind. The last few weeks, I think we would say, and I was talking to some people about this yesterday, I think we would say we've seen a far better version of the Georgia running game. It was great against Georgia Tech. Perhaps that's opponent dependent. It was also really good against Ole Miss. You know, Georgia kind of asserted itself a little bit against Tennessee there as well. Then this kind of final quarter of the regular season, suddenly Georgia has really kind of looked like RBU again. And I would say far better in totality with the running game than it had been at the beginning of the season, really kind of giving that aspect of the offense sort of the full heft that it deserves and now kind of making this the truly fully, you know, I guess multifaceted offense we sort of hoped Georgia could be. And once again, the guy we just heard from a moment ago is kind of the catalyst for all that, right? That's what Kendall Milton has sort of provided for Georgia. So much the same way we're wondering, is the recent offensive success of Alabama, is that the real Alabama or is the stuff we saw early in the season a little bit more true to form the Georgia running game right now sort of feels like the same type of question especially given the fact that this is probably the best defensive front Georgia's face they are very big up front Tim Smith and all those guys very very big up front you know can Georgia keep that going on Saturday and make the recent rushing game success proof that that's the real Georgia well Kendall Milton this week also talked about the his own personal emergency here and exactly why that has happened this is what Kendall said about that earlier this week yeah I feel like it's just a combination of everything just uh first off the O-line you know I feel like as a running back you can never really um have success if your O-line isn't really performing and I feel like 
they've kind of taken it very seriously in practice. And also, I got to give it to the scout uh, defense because they give us the the game reps and the game looks that we're going to get on game day. And they also, you know, it's the young guys like Gabe and uh, Jordan Hall. Like they challenge our O line because they give such good effort every single day and every single look that it kind of prepares you for the game and you know makes it easier, you know, on game day to kind of just be comfortable and. Uh, just have fun out there more so whatever the reason is Georgia fans love what they have seen from Kendall Milton as of late and are very excited about what he has a chance to show here in the most important games he's ever played in a Georgia uniform among the leading you know carriers uh, for Georgia coming up in the stretch that could determine if these dogs can go for three and 23 Milton playing well at the right time and offering his explanation right there for exactly why that's the case. And that is Around the Doghouse. It's presented today by our friends at ServePro. And obviously, ServePro steps up for you at a really challenging time. You know, right now, you see our Christmas tree on the desk here. Many of you want to decorate your home with all these Christmas trees and holiday decorations and things like that. But sometimes that is prevented and that doesn't happen because of the mess that you perhaps have no one wants to have fire damage or water intrusion or something like that this time of year but there's no reason why it can't happen in december it can happen anytime in fact it's happened around here in our dog nation world headquarters in the past and it could happen for you there too so if you do find yourself with a mess to clean up i want you to remember the restoration specialists at serve pro because they can do incredible work for you if you find yourself in a challenging situation like that in fact each and every serve pro franchise is independently owned and operated that means when you do business with Serpro, you're doing business with someone that's got a vested interest in your outcome the same way you do so whether it's your home commercial property a rental property that you depend on for some passive income whatever that story is for you reach out to Serpro online at servepro.com anytime you've got any kind of damage that needs to be cleaned up they can put it back together like it never even happened that's what Serpro is all about so find them online at servepro.com all right a lot for us to do here today it's brad nessler before we're done uh let me also remind you here real quick before we uh, kind of move on and bring terrence edwards there is still some time to jump in here and be a part of our dog nation go for three in 23 tailgate at the home depot backyard right next to mercedes-benz stadium before the game there on saturday incredible incredible experience there on this it's an all-inclusive tailgate for three hours includes the food the beverage while supplies last a go for three and 23 t-shirt this is the only print run we're doing on the go for three and 23 t-shirt so make sure you find that and check that out still a little bit of limited space i believe to get in there on that hope to see you on saturday i'm looking forward to being there a whole lot of fun with the dog nation folks there at the uh, go for three and 23 tailgate home depot backyard right next to mercedes-benz stadium dognation.com get your tickets we're running out of time so get your tickets be a part of that we will see you there for that all right now brad nestler later terrence edwards right now good to have him here on dog nation daily presented by merriweather and tharp from athens and across the sec or wherever the recruiting trail may lead here's a dognation.com insider all right obviously we have terrence here for a reason today and that's to talk about the georgia bulldogs and the alabama crimson tied in the sec championship but y'all indulge me for one second because i got to mention something else to terrence here off the top you know terrence you and i both love high school football me as a broadcaster you as a great former player and now coach and i just want to give a, a quick shout out and a congratulations to your milton team what a win for you all this past week against Colquitt county it's always incredibly meaningful when it's metro atlanta against a, a great south georgia power uh you guys get the win now playing the state semifinals this weekend it, 
anytime you're playing high school football as the calendar moves towards December you've done something right obviously so what's the mood around your Milton team here right now and how much you guys looking forward to state semifinal action here this weekend oh we're very excited we uh you know you know it's a great team win from the the coaches all the way down to the managers that we had we had a great game plan and um, that was my first time seeing the uh, Coker in person, and it was very impressive. Uh, I understand why they was ranked number one in uh, in the state of Georgia in seven A. And but our kids came out to play. They they understood that they was the underdogs, and they took the underdog mentality into that game. And uh, we came out with the victory, and we look forward now, you know, facing you know Grayson. That's a big task for us. Um, they have some extra motivation because we put them out the playoffs last yeah. year. So they, they're waiting on this opportunity to put us out and advance to the state championship game. Yeah, that's going to be a really fun game. Looking forward to kind of following that there on Friday as we're doing Marist and Tom County Central for our final broadcast of the year on the Peachtree Sports Network. Shifting gears to the topic at hand here, though, SEC Championship on Saturday. One of the players I was just mentioning before you joined us is Kendall Milton. I think one of the most fun things about Georgia of late has been the emergence of Milton. As you know, Terrence, Kendall's always been a big fan favorite. People just like his style he's you know he's seemed very confident and uh, you know well-spoken young man even as a recruit uh kind of an exciting running style lowering shoulder at times running away from people you know he just sort of has a vibe around him that i believe that fans have always really liked and now he is seemingly playing his very best football at a time in which georgia could really use a player of, of that caliber what have you made of the emergence of kendall here over the course of the last few weeks and how much of a role do you think he could play to kind of stymie alabama on saturday I think this is the player that, you know, the Georgia faithful thought we would see once he arrived on, on campus. And unfortunately, the injuries, you know, continue to mile up on him. And uh, we all thought, and, and myself thought, that, you know, we would never see this version of Kendall. I, I was, you know, kind of hard on him myself at the beginning of the year. Um, but he definitely has been the, the, the best back that we've had in the last two games. Uh, so pair him with, with Edwards. Um, and Kellen, that's a that's a great one-two punch. He's a different style than than uh, Dejon, but he's more the power back. And I think we're going to need his his power versus Alabama this week. Um, him his his ability to run between the tackles with power, with vision, and with speed is something that we we haven't had. And he has all three bottled in one. Yeah, I don't know how deep into this you want to get, but to me, the challenge here on Saturday is pretty interesting from the standpoint that. I think this is clearly the best defense that Georgia's faced all year long. In fact, this may be the best defense in the SEC, possibly even on paper right now, even better than Georgia. There's at least a strong argument, you know, on that side if you wanted to make it. They're also very big up front. You know, Tim Smith, those guys, it's just a good Alabama defensive line. I don't know that it's like the days of, you know, yesteryear in terms of some of these Nick Saban Alabama defensive lines, but it's a good one nonetheless. So, I mean, how well um, positioned do you think Georgia is to battle what I think may be the overall strength of the Alabama team, which is you know the guys kind of playing up front defensively? You know, I think it's going to be a, uh, a battle up front. I think our offense line is uh, a very big offensive line matching up against their defense line is probably the strength of their team. Uh, so this is going to be the, the test. Can we – uh, run the football. If we're able to run the football, then I think the the game um, will be played a little different. If we can't, then we're going to have to rely on Carson Beck and the receivers to go out and make plays. But I would love for us to be more balanced. I don't think I don't want one side of the you know the ball to dominate the other. I don't you know if we have to do what we did against Georgia Tech and the running game is there and 
know, you don't have no choice but to continue to run the ball. But I don't, I don't want Alabama being able to just stop our running. We have to throw it 50 times. I don't think that's the key to success. I think being very balanced, I think the way Bobo has done all year, screens uh, to get those big guys running, um, running the inside zone, running the stretch, running gap schemes, and then just getting your ball to your playmakers on the edge is going to be the formula to uh, beat Alabama. Yeah, I think you may be right about that. One of the guys that you've touted in this space before is Dylan Bell. And when Bell has the big game against Tennessee, I think I kind of treated that as, oh, that's cool. You know, Georgia can have whatever playmaker it needs emerge seemingly on any given day. And it was kind of one of those things that, I mean, I hate to say this way, but I sort of viewed it as kind of a one-off type deal of, oh, you know, you know, Georgia needed a guy that day and Dylan Bell stepped up, good for him. Well, then he goes out and does, you know, another kind of sort of heroic type performance against Georgia Tech. And gosh, now, Terrence, my overall feeling about Dylan Bell is completely different. It seems like this is one of those guys that's also kind of emerging at the right time here. And now I go into Saturday with the assumption that Bell might need to be and might perhaps will be one of Georgia's most important playmakers and like the versatile skill set the strength he he obviously can carry the football we know he can throw a touchdown when need be but you know clearly uh, a real nose for just going out and grabbing the football out of the air here as receiver which is his most important skill and trait right now Uh, I think that Dylan Bell is potentially very valuable for Georgia on Saturday and I know how much you love to see that because this is a guy that you've tied it before I'm, I'm right now offended, B.A., that you didn't take my expertise. I know it. Two years ago when I, I told it. you about Dylan Bell. I know and it. thought there was a one-off. The young man is a absolute stud. And I saw it the first time that I went to practice and saw him. And so this is, for me, this is this is not, I, I, I thought this is the type player that we would get because of his ability to run the football, his ability to catch the football very naturally. And he's built uh, very well. So, uh, we just have another guy that this, this Georgia staff have uh, saw. They uh, put their eyes on, and a lot of people did not believe in Dylan Bell, even in his, his own state of, of Texas. And there's another uh, development story along with Lad that we could go and say, I know you want the five-star receivers, but give me Lad McConkey's and, and Dylan Bell's, and, and we develop me. I take them over five-star guys who are some more divas and some are entitled. These yeah. guys just came in and worked their way up the depth chart and continue to make plays i think that uh bell's emergence is also probably more important too because of the fact and i realize that you're not a doctor i'm not a doctor but the sense that i get is brock bowers is almost certainly playing on saturday and there's a very good chance lad mcconkey is not i mean once again i'm not a doctor i you know no one should take my opinion on this worth the grain of salt but that's just sort of the sense that I get here right now. And so, therefore, having a guy like Bell playing the way that he is is probably extra important just given what is at least quite uncertain status about McConkey at the moment. I think so, but I also think that we have to have Eva Ladd or Rara uh, available to play. I would love to have both, but both receivers bring something different to the table. Yeah. Uh, so we, we can't have both of them out, even though we are very – deep exposition I, I would feel much better with having both but we just could have one of those guys uh 80 to go out and play that brings a different dimension to the to the table and i want to give aaron smith yes today. i know he, he's been struggling um catching the football this year but he he we need his ability his playmaker ability to win and and you know without his touchdowns his playmaker ability in the ohio state game i, I don't know if we win that game so I'm happy that Arian got in last week and we got him some productive plays and hopefully that confidence uh, continues. But we definitely need Arian. We definitely need all the guns loaded to go out and win this game. 
So I want to ask you about Arian Smith because from my perspective, sort of a knee-jerk reaction, and I, Arian's a guy that I love. I mean, as you said, his play in the Ohio State game is one of the most important individual plays of this entire run for Georgia the last couple of years. He had a huge catch like that in the Tennessee game, and Arian's been a little bit of a big-game player for Georgia, and that you know take the top off the defense speed is incredibly valuable. But we also know that Arian on a few deep balls this year has has you know, dropped those passes. Do you think it's a coincidence then? Because in my mind, I want to connect these things together. Maybe they don't deserve to be connected. Is it a coincidence then that what Georgia has done as of late, getting getting creative, jet sweep type stuff, kind of short routes that are almost like those extended handoffs where Smith just shows his speed on kind of a short reception as opposed to a deep throw. Do you think the way in which George has chosen to use Smith is intentional based on the fact that he had a couple of deep drops earlier this year that now it's a little bit more of the handoff short route type stuff for him? Most definitely. You know, take this from someone who's actually played the position, actually had you know, if you play wide receiver long enough, you're going to get in, in, in this funk. You know, Lad got into a funk last he did. last year that he worked his way out of it. And um, just from my own personal experience, you know, it's, you could get out of that funk when teams uh, put you in position to just get your hands on the football. And just like you said, the jet sweeps, screens, short passes. Like, get his confidence back um, before we put him in position to – make the more difficult catches. And I think that's what Georgia has done. And I think you saw it, and that's definitely a correlation to his ability to make plays like he did against Georgia Tech because they put him in position to hand off the jet sweep. I think the game before Georgia Tech, he had a 33-yard run on a jet sweep or a pop. So I think they're slowly but surely trying to get his confidence back. And it seems like it's headed in the right direction. I want to finish with this. Off the top of the show today, I talked about the meaning of this game between Georgia and Alabama and the fact there's so much backstory here and the belief for such a long time that Alabama was a mountain that a lot of folks weren't quite so sure Georgia could climb, and then it did beat Alabama to conclude the 2021 season. It went on to win the national championship again in 2022, and all of a sudden Alabama sort of wants that supremacy back, and that's the kind of tug of war that's in place for Saturday's game. It's interesting to hear players on both sides kind of talk about that, but also go back and look at the perception that used to exist of Georgia from your perspective as a guy who's very proud of your alma mater and you know has you know seen the great success that 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 Georgia's enjoyed the last couple of years what do you personally think this Georgia Alabama game means on Saturday I think it's 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 two things and I think both things could be true I think Georgia for the Georgia side we're we're the teams we're at the top of the mountain now and we're looking down at everyone else and this is this is new territory for Alabama and they're down looking at us, and they are entitled and have been entitled since Nick Saban's been there that they're the kings of him. They don't like looking up at other programs because we the big, bad um, Alabama Crimson Tide. So they have definitely had the entitlement of we are the kings. But, you know, for the last two, three years now, Georgia has, has climbed that mountain and, and surpassed Alabama because we are the two-time defending champs until we get knocked off. We are still the kings. And they don't like that feeling. I get that, that they don't like looking up at other programs. Um, and I think Kirby has got Georgia in a place that we we are going to stay where we at. And you're going to have to knock us off this Pelican. It's not going to be hard because every year, even if we don't win it this year, we're going to be in contention every year to, to take that crown back from whoever wins the national championship. And I believe it's going to be us again. 
Really good stuff, Terrence. I really appreciate that. A couple things I know about you. I know you're looking forward to bubble work starting as you're training these wide receivers in the uh, wintertime here, but I also know you want that bubble work to wait a couple more weeks before it starts because you got business to take care of, including what you hope is your own trip to Mercedes-Benz Stadium for a state championship game coming up uh, in the month of December. So best of luck to Milton as they try to get that done uh, here this week and then perhaps the week after that there as well. But for the people who are themselves, because their season's already ended, they're chomping at the bit to get better for next year how can they get in touch with the terrence edwards wide receiver academy yes it's, it's going to start this first week in february so i think that's february 5th we will go mondays and wednesdays from 6 to seven thirty. so if you're looking for your athlete to become better at his craft and be the best version that he can be um, you can find me on all social media platforms at terrence edwards wide receiver academy terrence great stuff i appreciate it enjoy the game on saturday and enjoy your game on friday night we'll look forward to talking to you soon take a look around the rest of the league this is sec through love having terrence edwards in the show love his inside as someone who had great success as he said as a player and you know now you know kind of knows the game as a coach there too terrence kind of brings you both wings of insight in, into our discussion and i think that's incredibly valuable don't forget we are a little less than 10 minutes away from brad nessler cbs sports coming up on the program here too I, we wanted to load up this week and i feel like we kind of have it's been david pollock it's been mike johnson it's brad nessler today jake Fromm, in addition to the regular cast of characters you always hear on the uh, show so uh, we just wanted to kind of bring all that to you and it, it's been a great time I, I feel like that the the intensity of saturday's game the intrigue of saturday's game deserves a great you know list of guests and obviously over the course of this week that is what we've tried to bring to you now let's get ready to go cruising around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean and i tell you the moment this season comes to an end, I hope it's not a few. I hope it's a few more weeks. I hope it's well after Houston in January. But at that point in time, getting ready to go cruising myself through the Caribbean with Royal Caribbean on board Icon of the Seas. It's the largest cruise ship ever constructed. It was actually delivered to the Port of Miami here this week. That means, you know, what you see when you uh, watch our video. This is actually like kind of like an artist rendering almost some of this is real video but like a lot of this is sort of the imagined concept of what icon of the seas would be well now that's no longer necessary it is here it is real uh and i'm about to be on it coming up in a few weeks and i am very very excited about that in fact i've got my stateroom assignment and all of that has gone down so i could not be happier i want you to be able to do the same thing so contact jessica slater great travel agent specially selected for us by royal caribbean you can give her a call 770-718-9147 that's 770-718-9147 or you can email her jslater at dreamvacations.com and you can find out about icon of the seas coming up in january our dog nation cruise on allure of the seas coming up in april the debut of utopia of the seas coming up in july just so many incredible things going down with royal caribbean here in 2024 jessica can tell you about all of that something i can tell you about here right now let's give a shout out to georgia basketball how about a thrilling last second win in tallahassee last night against a very good florida state team uh, obviously our show is like 99.9 percent football because that's what our audience kind of wants but uh justin hill last night with the game winner for georgia down there in t against the seminoles this is a very big win for mike white you know i think our dog nation story kind of called it a signature win a statement win something along those lines and i think both those statements are perhaps true here's what we know it is a long climb to relevance for a program like georgia that has not been very good but we also know this success leaves clues there are hints dropped along the way 
about eventual breakthroughs. You are seeing a lot of hints and clues about Georgia basketball right now. In recruiting, you've noticed that. On the court here right now, getting a win at Florida State. That's the kind of resume-boosting win that any tournament team would like to have. I'm not saying that means that Georgia's going to go into the NCAA tournament, but this is the kind of win that gets on the radar for a selection committee discussion You know, come February heading into March. So that's a big performance from Georgia, and it's perhaps the first step of many towards being what the program needs to be, but it's worth your attention. Uh, if you missed the game, maybe you'll go back and kind of rewatch it or acquaint yourself with the Georgia basketball team that's going to play hard for Mike Y. And in future years, there is a lot of talent rolling in on this program there as well. So I wanted to take this moment to give a shout-out to them because that is no small feat winning at Florida State last night. Congratulations to the basketball team for getting that done. Now, here's what we know. The transfer portal stuff is about to be absolutely crazy. And we already have one announcement made here. Max Johnson, the Texas A&M quarterback, is on his way to the SEC. Yeah, there you go. Nice graphic there. Excited to be at Tar Heel. Thanks to our folks, uh, Cody and Michael, for doing that. On his way to North Carolina to be the heir apparent there to Drake May at UNC. Very quarterback-friendly offense. be interesting to see, you know, when uh, Haynes King left Texas A&M to go to Georgia Tech, his performance actually improved. We'll see for Max Johnson, who I would say most of the time this year was kind of only okay for Texas A&M, playing in kind of a quarterback-friendly situation there at North Carolina. Does he have better numbers playing for the Tar Heels? That's worth watching. That's a pretty big get, I would say, for a North Carolina, at least certainly a pretty big piece of news, kind of in keeping with the kind of news we're going to have coming up in the uh, days to come here. I'll also say this, that while this is official, Johnson himself confirming it, Something we mentioned late on yesterday's show seems somewhat murky here right now. There have been reports that K.J. Jefferson, the Arkansas quarterback, was entering the transfer portal. Jefferson himself has kind of pushed back on that. Now, why is that? Is he eventually going to leave the Hogs? I honestly don't know. Brad Crawford from 24-7 Sports has reported that if Jefferson does leave, then he would be a likely candidate to end up at South Carolina, kind of following the footsteps of Spencer Rattler, who also announced yesterday that he's moving on to the NFL. Rattler had a very uh, successful tenure there at South Carolina, kind of reinvented himself as a quarterback. Jefferson, I believe, is a pretty good prospect. You know, I think for a South Carolina team that obviously had a disappointing year this year, if he were to go to a place like South Carolina or even like a Mississippi State or somewhere like that, I think that Jefferson would immediately make that team better, I believe. If he stayed at Arkansas, he probably increase, increases their fortunes for next year there too. Um, he's a good enough player that for these SEC teams that weren't bowl eligible, that's one of those guys that could probably kind of move them over to the other line of perhaps being much better next season. I'll also mention this. This is not SEC related. We don't have you know graphic for this, but um, Riley Leonard, the Duke quarterback, has entered the transfer portal, and it seems like he's probably going to Notre Dame. In fact, there's been some chatter about the fact that it sort of feels like the Notre Dame thing with Leonard's almost already a done deal so uh, last year Notre Dame going to the ACC to get Sam Hartman looks like they may be doing that again with Riley Leonard uh, that's worth mentioning there too and let me also give you one more story this is outside the SEC but it's certainly intriguing for SEC fans you know the name Justin Scott that's a five-star defensive lineman he has been an Ohio State commit but yesterday I think kind of out of nowhere some of y'all probably followed this closer than I did I think out of nowhere Scott flipped his commitment from Ohio state to miami and you see the uh the graphic there there was another graphic that got put out of scott where you perhaps saw this where he's like standing on like an island or something almost like the 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 the, the beach down there in miami there's like a fake college ball playoff national championship trophy there which is really weird there's also a pile of money which is so strange like miami essentially letting it be known and announcing you know obviously there's even like 
it's like money falling in the background like i've never quite seen a recruiting uh a graphic quite like this but in future years we may be seeing a whole lot more of those as miami not even really sort of keeping it a secret that their ability to flip scott away from ohio state uh kind of depended almost solely on the nil i guess but the thing i'd be concerned about if you saw this particular graphic we know the national championship trophy in the picture is fake. Does that mean the money's also counterfeit there as well? If I was Justin Scott, I'd want to be uh, I'd, I'd want to be uh, kind of knowing something about that because uh, obviously there are a couple of issues as it uh, relates to that. But uh, nonetheless, Miami kind of leading with their NIL here. Uh, Life Wallet, the uh, company that the famous booster John Ruiz uh, has, has been delisted from the Nasdaq. But I guess there's still no shortage of funds down there right now when it comes to flipping a five-star away from Ohio State. So pretty interesting stuff. And we will make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Now, we're going to get ready to shift gears here and bring on our next guest in just a moment, the guy who's going to call the game on Saturday for CBS. And as we've mentioned a couple of times on today's show, for me, there's a lot of meaning around this because I have really loved the SEC on CBS era. We all love the theme song, but I've loved the work that Brad Nessler and Gary Danielson have done calling these games. And it just really seems like, you know, kind of a very important chapter of our college football lives coming to an end this weekend. So in addition to a great game, also kind of a, I guess, historic moment in some respects. So with that in mind, let's bring on Brad Nessler here from CBS Sports, who will call the game in Atlanta there on Saturday. Brad, we appreciate your time on Dog Nation Daily here today. Thank you for being with us and uh, welcome to the program. You got it, Brandon. Good to talk to you as always. So last week you had a chance to be a part of the Iron Bowl game, and I know as a broadcaster yourself, you got to know this scene. So we're in Atlanta, Bobby Dodd Stadium. The entire press box is like gathered around TVs. By the way, including the you know the guys on ABC, you're going to call that game that night. And as a broadcaster, kind of the same way that a football player kind of wants the ball in his hand when the game on the line. I'm sure as a broadcaster, it must be kind of a nice feeling to know the eyes of the college football world are on your broadcast at that moment. You got a great call for the for the Hail Mary, and kind of a nice feeling to know and sort of this final iron bowl there on cbs that that really you got the sort of exciting dream finish that everybody would have wanted to see what was your kind of takeaway from being there in auburn jordan Hare stadium another wild one between those two teams in that venue and ultimately the way that alabama won it yeah um starting really about the five minute mark randon that led to the touchdown um my spotter before the game had told me said we might have a problem here auburn's got two zeros that are punt returners and i said well keontae scott's their leading punt returner averages you know 16 yards a return or whatever and he said yeah i know but the other guy is out there shagging punts too now coy moore and um i said well let's see they're both about the same size he said yeah i know that and i said how are we going to distinguish them and he said uh one's wearing white gloves one's wearing orange gloves and for me my spotter just set me up or I would have screwed up the whole wow. fumbled punt that led to the, you know, exchange of uh, possession. And so it started there with me and I said, okay, um, we didn't get lucky there. We did that by design. And then to get down and have a bad snap, which Alabama's had all season long and Jim Milrow not ready for the snap. Then all of a sudden it's back at, you know, the 31 yard line and it's just fourth and goal. I mean, uh, you know, you don't really expect them to convert, but, the way Auburn played the defense with a two-man rush, and Jalen had all day to throw, so he definitely had his choice of uh, where he wanted to throw the ball, at least not necessarily that the guy was super open or anything. But, yeah, that last play, those kind of games are fun. I've had a few of them. 
Um, and when they come down to the last play or the last touchdown, the last kick, uh, it's pretty fun. The Tennessee kick against Alabama last year had a Florida game that was a touchdown on the last play. Um, you know, probably had 10 of those in my career, but you don't get them very often. So mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of fun when one comes your way. We've seen a better version of Jalen Milrow as of late. His stats have kind of gone up. Uh, obviously, they didn't score a ton of points on Saturday, but they've been you know, kind of well into the 40s here a lot over kind of the last month of the season. Is this the real Jalen Milrow, you think, or do you kind of look at this in totality of a guy who had some struggles near the beginning of the season? In other words, how good of a quarterback do you think comes into Atlanta on Saturday to face Georgia? I think a really good one. Um, I think if he wouldn't have had early season struggles, he'd be – a little bit higher in the conversations to Heisman, and I think his name is still probably in the top five of most people's minds, at least mine, and I'm a voter. Um, you know, I don't think I've ever seen a guy improve more from week two or week three, in his case, to this point of the year. Uh, um, you know, they changed the offense, built it more around him. They weren't using it as a runner enough. They don't use it that much. His strong suit is still throwing the ball down the field. <laughs> Just like... Yeah. Uh, fourth and goal from the 31 you know i mean that's what he does best and he considers himself a pocket quarterback not a runner he's reiterated that reiterated that to me five times this year i'm not a running quarterback mr nestler Mm. he doesn't want people to think that but you know quite frankly it's one of his strong suits i mean he is so fast it's hard to comprehend and, and i don't think defenses realize it they can look at film all day long and you can watch a rebroadcast of our games all day long I'm telling you, Brandon, this cat, when you watch him take off in person, and I know that sounds weird because you think, okay, he looks fast, he is fast, Mm -hmm. but players have even said, we didn't know. We didn't know until we thought we had an angle, or we didn't know until we thought the hole was closed. He's got jets, man. He can really move. And, you know, Jaden Daniels is a different kind of runner, uh, maybe a little more shifty, and, you know, Jalen Milrow can motor, and, and he's dangerous that way. His arm is getting dangerous. He's starting to throw the intermediate routes a lot better. So I don't think I've ever seen a player, not that I can remember, go from, you know, third week of the season to uh, a championship conference game that a guy's improved as much as he has. It's really interesting. Uh, those of us who are fans have geared up for this year to be a year of change. It's the last year of divisions, no more SEC East. Last year, probably of some permanent rivalries. Last year, the 14 playoff. And for a lot of us, a big part of that list is also the last year of the SEC on CBS. And now we've kind of come to the last game for the SEC on CBS. And I can tell you, Brett, a lot of us have really enjoyed the SEC on CBS era. Your calls, of course, but even you know, kind of predating you back in the days of Vern and what really has been a long-standing history of this league on, on this network. You know, what does it mean for you to see this era come to an end on Saturday? It's going to be, you know, it's going to be tough. I'm, I'm spending a good part of the day with Vern, as a matter of fact, today. We, we got something working together, and, um, and tonight I'll be with Vern. Um, so, you know, culmination of so many great memories and so many great years. Um, if you actually go back, you know, SEC on CBS has been there for 28 years, but it's only been 23 that they've actually done the SEC championship game. Mm-hmm. And before that, I did the second-to-last one on ABC, and Gary did the last one on ABC. So the the last two SEC championship games that weren't on CBS, Gary and I did them anyway. (laughs) We did them with other people. He he did one with Brent, and I did one with Bob Greasy. So uh, we kind of bookended it, and now we're going to cap it off, you know, on Saturday afternoon. So um, it's going to be tough, I think, on our crew um, because we've had 
so many great memories. And, you know, we sit around and talk about it. Every venue we've gone to this year has, has been, you know, we're not coming back here, you know, whether it was having a hamburger at Rama Jamas, you know, yeah. right by the stadium in Tuscaloosa, oh, yeah. or, you know, we went to some of the, we went to some of the old spots that we used to go to, to dinner on Thursday night. And we just kind of did it for old time's sake. And so, yeah. you know, every week's been kind of emotional for all of us, I guess, but, Um, we'll just try to cap it off do the best we can I want to finish with this you know for those of us who are Georgia fans it's a little bit different kind of year now Georgia's results the same they're ranked number one they're obviously a slight favorite win on Saturday but the makeup of this team feels a little bit different this may be the best offense of the kind of national championship era that Georgia's been in the last couple of years but it's certainly not the best defense maybe good enough to get the job done but it's not the almost perfect defense the way that we maybe kind of thought the 2021 defense at times was so when you kind of look at how Georgia's made up right now you know what do you see as perhaps the best path for georgia in the hopes of uh, getting to a victory if you're a uga fan what does that path look like on saturday given the fact that this georgia team is constructed at least a little bit differently than the last couple have been yeah um yeah i agree with you on the defense you know there's not the elite stars that are going to be first round draft choices i think there's guys in the secondary that are going to be first round draft choices and that might be you know the strength of the defense uh, on the back end. Um, and offensively, you know, having Kendall Milton back to full strength right now, I think is the biggest key probably to Saturday. Um, the one-two punch with he and Dejan, I, I think Alabama's going to have a little trouble with that. They've given up some yards on the ground this year, and that hasn't normally been the case with them. And so I, I think that's where Georgia's bread is buttered, their offensive line and, and coming off the ball and their two tailbacks. And then Carson Beck's been phenomenal. I mean, <laughs> he doesn't get enough credit. His name should be up in the Heisman stuff, too, but it's, it's statistically it's not the same as Bo Nix and, and uh, you know, Jaden Daniels and Penix and all those guys. But um, I think it's the best receiver room Georgia's ever had as a group, uh, starting with Brock Bowers and, and I say a receiver, not tight end with him. Um, so, yeah, I think in, in certain groups, Georgia's offense is – the best they've ever had or cumulatively the best they've ever had and if everybody's healthy on saturday um it's good on good man it's gonna be a great matchup and if they both play their best alabama and georgia both play their best i think it's going to come down to a kick or a fumble mm-hmm. or something that's going to be the difference boy it's gonna be a lot of fun brad we can't wait to hear your call of this i look forward to seeing you in atlanta uh there this upcoming weekend of course uh, hope our paths cross again very soon there as well brad thanks for your time on the show here today you got it, Brandon. Have a good weekend. We'll see you Saturday. Yes, sir. Good stuff there. Brad Nesser, CBS, a uh, true pro. And uh, nice to hear him with some stuff going on with Vern Lundquist here this weekend, too, because obviously a lot of us have great memories of Vern on these SEC on CBS games there as well. And I'll admit, the memory, I guess, fades over time. I did not quite realize that uh, you had SEC championship games on ABC. I, I don't quite remember that. It's, uh, that's a really funny thing to kind of go back that far ago uh, to when, I guess, this – championship game was not on cbs but um it has been now for a more than 20 year history there and uh, obviously the final one there coming up on saturday so brad nessler gary daniels on the call certainly looking forward to getting ready to hear that let me also give a shout out to our friends here at aquaguard for a moment because some of you might be in need of crawl space repair right now and if you are aquaguard a great name to know on all of that you kind of know the sign here there's like a smell you know, my wife's very in tune to like the smell of our house she's always on guard 
for something not smelling the way that it's supposed to. I don't have a great sense of smell, to be completely honest. But uh, my wife is very, very in tune on that. So you have that like sort of musty odor that can be a little bit of a sign that something below the floors is perhaps not what it should be. Uh, perhaps a little bit of an issue there with the crawl space. Now, you want to get that taken care of because you don't want that like water residue sort of sitting there and, you know, kind of turning into something. And that's where like the uh, folks at AquaGuard kind of step up with that nationally backed uh, warranty. The ultimate protection for your home against water and foundation damage. It's a, a great groundworks company like AquaGuard that installs those permanent solutions there for you. So here in Georgia, just given the sort of condition of our ground, it kind of makes this stuff a little bit more, I guess, important than normal. And so that's what uh, AquaGuard's all about. The trusted experts, they come out, they sort of assess the situation, they kind of find out what's best for you, and they'll get your crawl space all taken care of. And that smell, that 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 thing that's not quite the way it's supposed to be they'll get you taken care of on that so find them online at aquaguard.net that's aquaguard.net and as we say goodbye to you here today handful of golden shoes going out starting with our buddy mad dog and you knew we would hear from him in a very big way really good graphic here carson back staring down the big elephant that's about what it feels like sometimes when you face Alabama. Mad Dog saying, no opponent that was too big. Hashtag go dogs. Mad Dog, we love that. Appreciate you sharing that well-deserved golden shoe for you. And then at the risk of being self-serving, I wanted to send out a few thank yous here to people who've shared these with me. Grouchy veterans sending out this saying, these are rookie numbers, but I'll do better. Listening to us for more than 1,442 minutes this past year. One of our uh, folks there on Spotify uh, with the uh, great recap. Grouchy, we appreciate that. Well-deserved golden shoe going your way for that. How about our next one here as well? Uh, another one of our Spotify uh, listeners who uh, had this for us. We have, uh, there we go. Uh, Broke My Chair says, my top podcast of 2023. I think I see a pattern. Yeah, a lot of Georgia-themed podcasts, a lot of college football podcasts. And right there you see Dog Nation Daily. Broke My Chair, we certainly appreciate that. I cannot tell you how much that means. Thank you so much. Anthony also sharing his list of top podcasts. A little bit more of an eclectic list there. But once again, you see Dog Nation Daily kind of popping up on the Spotify wrapped there. Anthony, we really appreciate that. Once again, I am genuinely, genuinely so thankful for all of that. Andrew Main says he's in the top 1% uh, this year with more than 11,970 minutes consumed here this year. Really appreciate that, Andrew. That's, I mean, I just, I'm telling you, I'm amazed by it. I'm so grateful for it. Uh, we will certainly give you a golden shoe. And then finally, Dustin Hansford, who says about his Spotify wrapped, ain't nothing finer in the land than Dog Nation Daily. By far the best Georgia football podcast. Hashtag go for three in 23. Dustin, I tell you, I really appreciate that so, so much. And I don't want to be too self-serving with the golden shoes there, but I did want to share some of those just to, as a way of expressing my gratitude for those of you that choose now here over the course of a long number of years and a lot of shows and a lot of minutes overall on some of these very long shows to uh, be with us here. I just really, really appreciate that. Now, lousy stinking gators, my guess is their audiences, they're not tuning in quite as long right now. They're not quite as happy on their Spotify rap because it's been a long time since Florida has anything to cheer about. In fact, 1,118 days since those lousy stinking gators have beaten UGA. You love that. It's our Gator Hater Updater. We will see you back here tomorrow. One final day to get you ready for it. Georgia, Alabama. We'll talk to you then. Dog Nation Daily presented by Meriwether and Tharp.